Welcome to our weekly Wednesday night cheer. Those who think that we have to welcome you back, we welcome you back. We've been online every week. Baruch Hashem. Chalamayda was a shir. And Erev Pesach was a shir. Baruch Hashem. We're able to keep up with the Wednesday night, not to falter. Tonight, of course, as we know, is the first Shabbos after Pesach. And a tremendous, tremendous problem for all of us Jews. The Jews in diaspora are going to be separated from the Jews in Israel, Chas Hashem. The Jews in Israel, this Shabbos will be leaning Pashas Kedoshim and the diaspora in Golis. Everyone is leaning Pashas Achrei Mais. Um, So that is our first issue, that we're going to be laying Achrimais instead of Kedoshim this week. We will catch up later on before Shavuos, Mi'at HaShem HaBalein HaLeteva. Also, this week, Mi'at HaShem, we start Pirke Ovois. Learning of Pirke Ovois, which is between... Between Pesach and Shavuos, many Chabad as we learn Pekiyavis throughout the summer as well, because they are Milsa the Chasidusa. Milsa the Chasidusa are very important for people, especially during the summertime where people have idle time, they have extra time in their life, and they are involved in things that not necessarily should be, and this of course keeps them on the upper up, as we say in America. And therefore, in Chabad we learn at least, we learn Pirkei throughout the entire summer. The Rebbe brings down the Hayyem Yem, that in the course of Sefira Saimer, 49 days of Sefira, we learn that 49 blot in Mesech to Seita. So traditionally, in Shiurim that took place between <coughs> Pesach and Shavuos, we etched in something about Pirkeyavis, and we etched in something from Sech the Seita as well. The main focus, of course, on Pashat Achrimais. This Shabbos in Yatshem Abalenu Teva is Shabbos Mevorchem Achridish. Iyar. Also, it is Erev Rish Chedesh Iyar. So we have Machor Chedesh. We'd like to call out to uh, Danny Breyer. Shavatzlach Aravan is Bar Mitzvah Miyatz Hashem. Mazel Tov for the Shabbos. And he'll be saying Laftera in North Miami Beach. Shkedesh Ir is two days in Yetz Hashem, Sunday and Monday. The many different Rosh Tavison 
many different acronyms for the word Iyar. Avram, Yitzchak, Yaakov, and Rachel, or Rivka, and also Ani Hashem Reif Echo, the most popular ones. And therefore it should be a month of healing for all those that need to be healed. Um, not going to shout out any names now, we're not going to start making a list of the Mishaberach list. But all those that we daven for on a regular basis should be healed this very month. We know of course Avram the Malach, Avram the Reife, excuse me, Avram the Reife was a chassid of the Altarebbe who, when he had a, an issue, a medical issue, he would hold his beard. He would hold his beard to think, to concentrate on what, what ailment or what medication, etc., the Rebbe said that the beard represents Arich. And Arich is the same concept of Ani Hashem Reif Echo. And therefore, it's, when he held on to his beard, his Yerushimayim is what gave the power to heal the people that needed the healing. This week the parsha begins after the passing of the Shnei B'nei Aharon. The passing of the two sons of Aaron HaKayim. Pasuk says that the warning was given to the Kayim, Godel, to the high priest, with this, Aaron should come into the Kedesh. Kedesh referring, of course, to the Kedesh HaKadoshim, the Holy of Holies. How should he come dressed into the Kedesh? Ksenes Bad Kedesh Yilbosh. Linen, white garment. That she explains why is he not wearing the Kedesh. was famous for his eight beautiful garments that he wore. Why is he only wearing now the four that the simple Kayin wore? Zakrashi Melameh, this teaches us, She'ene Mishamish, Lifnim, Mishpene Begodim. In the Kedesh, HaKadoshim, the Holy of Holies, you did not wear eight garments. Shu Mishamish Ben Bachut, that he would wear everywhere else in the Beis HaMikdash. Why? She'yesh Bahem Zohov, because they have gold. And since Yom Kippur is Mechaper, is forgiving for the sin of the Egel Azov. You don't make a prosecutor into a lawyer. And since the prosecution of the day is the concept of the gold, the, how the Jews sinned with the gold, therefore you can't make gold, brandish gold at this time when we're asking forgiveness for this very sin. The prosecutor cannot become the lawyer. The reason for the service Yom Kippur, 
It's done inside the cage kedushim. That was with white and not in gold. As we just said, to forgive for the eagle. So we have to understand what is the reason that this service that was done in Kedush Shekadoshim is the only service that forgave the Chet Eagle. Makes no sense. Yim Kippur was Mechapa for the Chet Eagle. All the Aveda that was done, even what was done on the outside. So in that case, ain't Katega Nasa he should not have worn the entire day. He should not have worn the gold garments. What is the gold garments only in the Kedush Kedushim not going to work? Perhaps we can explain. The beginning of the, the parsha here talks about the Aveda, the King God, and Yom Kippur. It says, as we said before, bokor. With this, Aaron should come into the Kodesh with a par ben bakar. close light in the front, please. Not somebody sitting there. And therefore, he stresses that the main object, the main toiling of the kapara on this day, is not because of his own private avedas and kabbonas that he makes. Only when the Kayin Godel goes into the Kedish Kedashim, Yovay Arnava Kedish. And that's a special job. And this was done only on this day. It wasn't done a whole year long. No Kayin Godel, nobody ever went into the Kedish Kedashim, into the Holy of Holies, except for Anyam Kippur. In order for the Kayin Godel to go into the Kedish Kedashim, he needs to be fit. He needs to be set for this. And there are certain karbanas. And therefore, the Torah enumerates bizais yavai aren. And there's different explanations of the word bizais, kematrias, etc. We're not going into that. This, though, explains to us why outside of the Kedish Kedashim, outside of the Holy of Holies, he was able to work with the big days of. Because when were we worried in Kategan Asasanega? Where are we worried the prosecutor should not become a lawyer? Only in the special service that has to do with the Kapar of Yom Kippur. The entering of the Kengodl into the Holy of Holies. And if you look actually, the Psukim itself is saying it's about Kedish Yilbash. And from there we learn that the Kengodl should not wear Big Dissolve. And after that, right immediately it says, With these garments he comes in. To know that this was part of his preparation for actually entering into the Holy of Holies. A person brings a carbon. The person needs to be his vada olav as called avenes b'nei Yisrael. When the kain is bringing now, he needs to he should confess upon it all the willful transgressions of Bnei Yisrael.
one of the most essential parts of tshuva, most essential components of Aveda Yim Kippur, for the individual and for the Kayin Godel, is vidui, confession. A person needs to verbally say before Hashem and ask for his forgiveness. Obviously, vidui itself is not enough. The Ramam writes in Hilchas Tshuva, Perik Beis, Halacha Gimel, Anyone who says the confession, says Vidi, without resolving in his heart to abandon the sin, can be compared to somebody who goes to the mikveh while holding in his hand a sheret, the impure, impure carcass of some crawling creature. In other words, it's to no avail, the entire immersion. Now the Rambam's analogy here seems to give the insincere penitent, the guy who's doing tshuva, and he's not sincere about it, even more credit than he deserves. Because bottom line, the main value of confessing one's sins before God is the remorse that the confession conveys. Welcome back. If the person has no intention to improve, so what does it help us if they admit their guilt? Accordingly, a person that has no charata for his Aveda, he says it, it's as if the person is going to the mikveh with something impure in his hand, with impurity with him the whole time. So it should be as if he never went into the mikveh in Gansan. He never tabled. But from the Rambam's analogy, it's evident that there is some value to Vidui, even when there's no, conf- even when it's not sincere. And the explanation is that a person obviously conscious of and therefore unavoidably sensitive to these things that he's verbally articulating a person's ability to communicate his thoughts and feelings is truly what defines us as human. The Jewish philosophers... they referred to the human being as the speaker, the medaber. What are they talking? It's saying things that conflict with our inner feelings is instinctively uncomfortable. This is a mile of the human being over an animal. They have deep down, deep rooted, they have the understanding what they need to do. So the Rambam therefore compares the insincere confession to going in a mikveh although it's something that ultimately is not going to purify the person 
Because but if a person's verbal admission of guilt and stated remorse for his past inevitably affect him to some degree, to at least the level of shame and insincerity, for his insincerity, so therefore in order to, though he complete forgiveness requires that the person have charata, not only charata lover, but to make a resolution to continue and to stay that way, potential of tshuva lies in every, even in every act of vidui alone. And therefore the mere fact that he says vidui, this already gives him the concept of tvila. He did go to the mikveh. He didn't help him much, but he went. There's a publication in Israel. Um, basically, the Yemenite community circulates it um, in a city called Baraket. Mostly Yemenite Jews. And uh, the story went back many years ago, obviously. A couple, a Yemenite couple, they were married for 20 years already. And they tried everything. Doctors, treatments. To every Kabbalist that there was in, in, in Israel. But there was no blessing for a child. One of her friends told her, she's traveling to New York, she's going to see the Lubavitcher Rebbe. Why don't you come along? Now truthfully, they're very weary of these Kabbalists and all these people, miracle workers, shall we say. But somehow, she was convinced and she went along. It was Sunday, the Rebbe was giving out dollars, And the men were in one line and the women in another. The line was a line. She stood for an hour or two. And finally we came in front of the, in front of the Rebbe. She told the Rebbe. She was able to blurt out married for 20 years. She became Dr. Warren blessed with children. The Rebbe looked at her and asked her, before you got married to your husband, were you engaged to somebody else? She said, yeah. Did you ask him forgiveness properly when you broke off the engagement? She said, no. So you must find him. Ask him for forgiveness, and God will bless you. She said to the Rebbe, how am I going to find him? It's over 20 years. Where am I going to find this guy? The story is published in this little publication. I cannot vouch for the 100% authenticity of the story. It's a Bashemtev type story, but this is how it's written. The Rebbe told her, on this and this date, 
Go to the train station in Rehovot, and there you'll find him. Hmm? How many Rebbe's give out dollars? <laughs> so, she heard, she went back to Israel, and she went to the appointed date to this train station and go figure out where this guy is. People are running, going back and forth, and she sees a guy sitting on a bench. She goes over to the person, and she asks him, are you so-and-so? And he says, yes. Do you remember me, he says. He looks at her and she says, he says to her, she says to him, we were engaged, remember? He says, yes, I remember. She says, I didn't ask you proper forgiveness when I broke off. Do you forgive me? And he said, I forgive you. With a full heart. And that was it. She picked herself up. She went home. A few months later, she was pregnant, and a year later, the baby boy was born. P.S. They're sitting by the bris. One of her relatives says to her, "Nobody knew the story between her and her husband." One of the relatives says to her, Hey, you remember before you got married to him, you were engaged to somebody? She says, Sure, I remember. He died. Said, I just heard that he died like 10 years ago. Yep. <laughs> what a myth. <laughs> but yet, the Rebbe saw to it that she found him. Ten years, but she had a baby next year. He was dead. When the Rebbe, when his, the Rebbe gave her a dollar and told her to go see him, he was dead. Uh-huh. But the Rebbe saw to it that, the, that he found his way there so he could say he's Michael. Because he and, and Elam Haba wasn't having an easier time either, probably. Wow. Pasha begins... Oh, we're running late. Pasha begins by The spoke to Meshin after the passing of the two children of Aaron, as they brought before the Abishta and they died. Then the Pasha continues. Hashem spoke to Meshe. Speak to your brother Aaron, you cannot come whenever you want into the Kadesh. And if you'll be prepared, when you do it right, you shall not die. Rashi explains. Hoya Rabbi Lazar Lazar ben Azaria Meishli. Rabbi Lazar ben Azaria used to give a mushal. Mushal the chelish and ichnas yitzlarefe. Mushal is a very sick person that came to visit a doctor. Omar the doctor said to him. Don't eat cold food, don't lie in damp areas. That was the diagnosis. Or his, yeah, whatever. Boacher came another one, which means another doctor. The Omar said to him the same instructions. 
Why should a Tomus Kederach Shemais Plaini? Not to, you should not die the way that other person died. And he mentions the person. And the person knows who that person is. And knows the person that indeed died. And he's telling him you have the same disease. And he did drink cold, etc. And therefore he died. So therefore for you not to die, like he did, don't do this. Zokdrashi, Zezirzu, the second fellow obviously gave a lot more of an incentive for this person than the first one did. The Kachnemar says Rashi. Therefore, it says because he's warning him and telling him that if you go into the Kedish, what is he warning him? This is right after Aaron's children passed because they went when they shouldn't go. Should Aaron should not go in improper or not at the proper time, not at the proper way, not to die like his children did. Woo! What a Rashi! What a story! Now this warning here. For the second doctor that warns the sick person not to do these things that are bringing him into danger by warning him you shouldn't die like this other person died is similar to what happens here HaKadosh Baruch Hu mentions to Aaron the passing of his children to awaken him to the fact not to die like the children did and therefore, he needs to be careful when he goes into the Kedesh. Rashi is not like this. This is not a typical Rashi. He goes out, way out on this one. He's taking much too long. He's saying much too many words. This whole concept, warning a person for something, what holds up this warning? By warning some, by telling him, enlightening him to what happened to somebody else. Self-understood. If he said Bekitzer, that Kaddish Baruch was warning Aaron, why does it say, because Kaddish Baruch was warning him, after the death of his sons, why does Rashi have to bring a whole marshal for this? To explain this simple shot to the puzzle. Commentaries on Rashi, on this part, go at great lengths with this. In different directions. The Gurariye, etc., And they say, hold on, it's not so simple. Rashi is not just explaining the actual story, but rather Rashi has a different problem. It starts off, Vayidaber Hashem al-Moshe, and then it says, Vayemer Hashem al-Moshe, the next Pasuk. Why does 
Hashem double. Why does the Pasuk say twice that Hashem is talking to Moshe? The truth is, because Hashem said two different things. Therefore, he brings the marshal of the two doctors. Because the first one is like the first doctor, and the second is like the second doctor. Nice explanation, but it doesn't go according to the Pshutish Mikra. The simple explanation of the Pasuk doesn't come out like that. Because Derech Abshat comes out that it was all one conversation. I it says twice, Vaydabar and Vayemer. Rashi explained that already in Pasha Vayedo. When he compares it, it says, it's the same thing that he said before. Since there was something separating in between, so it says again, it doesn't have any such great significance as we're making it. The fact that it actually mentions, therefore, the marshal of the two doctors... This doesn't force us to explain that the actual intention, bottom line, that the sick person went to two doctors. In order to put the proper emphasis, the proper stress on the warnings of the doctor, of the second doctor that's mentioned, shouldn't die like the other person died, Therefore, we hear about the first one, who doesn't give that stress, who doesn't put that emphasis saying about the second about a person dying, but rather just said instructions how to live your life, if you how, what your situation is, what your ailment is, etc. Now we have a real question. Why does Rashi have to bring the mushal, especially about HaKadosh Baruch Hu, warning the children of Aaron, warning Aaron, the children of his children, or the death of his children? Another question, Aaron is not in any danger. What danger was Aaron in? HaKadosh Baruch Hu did not warn him, did not come and tell him, don't go in in a dangerous time. And now that we said that we needed this muscle, it fits to bring a muscle to a regular person, a healthy person. That he came and was warned him and warned him, don't go in. Don't bring yourself into a situation that's going to cause you danger. And if you don't believe me, that then, I, you know, I'll tell you, there's a story of this guy went into the dangerous spot, and he got hurt, he got killed, whatever. At the end of the Seder, it talks about, The land shouldn't spit you out, shouldn't spew you out. And that actually brings a muscle there as well. Moshele ben Melech, a prince, healthy, Robust 
Shachidut of a Moes. He ate something disgusting. Shein Eimid B'meyav, he cannot stomach it. What does he do? Well, Makiyah, he threw it up. He regurgitated. Says Rashi, The same way also, the Holy Land of Israel cannot keep in its land people that are sinners. So they should all do tshuva over there, that government, and in Tel Aviv and everywhere else. There it's talking about a Ben Melech, a prince, a robust, healthy prince. He doesn't talk about sick people there. But here Rashi specifies Moshal Lechayla, a sick person that goes into a doctor. Someone that was already sick prior to this story. And therefore it should be the Nimshal, the comparison of the story, when it refers to Aaron, that by him already started a, disease, a sickness. Where was Aaron sick? To explain this, the fact that it actually brings down the muscle, just a general question. Which is, why truthfully, did the Almighty not suffice it in saying this prohibition why was that not sufficient? Don't come whenever you want. Only in a special time. Why did he even have to say about Aaron was not suspect of being anything less than perfect. Kedush Hashem. Would he then go and just transgress against the words of God? And so much so that they have to warn him and remind him that his children were killed for this? Generally, the Pasuk does not take such language. Many mitzvahs. Where the Torah just mentions the prohibition. Don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. And doesn't explain this, the, the severity, the punishment. And even though it does mention the punishment, doesn't mention the name of somebody that got punished like that. To add spice to the threat. Let us begin dissecting Rashi again. Rashi says, Moshul Lechela. What does he mean by Lechela? He's talking here about a situation where a person was a Yetzidaifen. The situation of Yetzidaifen, he was off track. He was sick. And therefore the actual command would not have effect on him. So we needed to put a little fear of God into him. A person who's sick, their body 
this overheating, fever, etc. So he looks to go somewhere cool. He's sweating. He looks to hide, to immerse himself somewhere in a cool place, turn on the air conditioner, go outside in the winter, to drink, to eat ice cream. Because he wants to cool himself down. When the doctor warns him about this, It's not enough to hold back what he is burning and yearning for from the great fever. But when the doctor comes and tells him, Mr. I know you're suffering. I know you're looking to cool down. I know you need this cold air, you need this cold food inside you, etc. But you should just know, buddy, you're playing with fire. Because this guy tried it, couldn't hold himself in, and he died. Are you looking to go the same route? So this already put a little fear of God in the guy. Even though the guy does do Avedis and doesn't always listen to what the terror tells him, now hearing that what's going to happen to him if he does, he holds back. Now we understand why Hakadosh Baruch had to warn Aaron: Don't come whenever you want. By frightening him. And mentioning his children's death, because the yearning of Aaron to go into the Kedush, his thirst for godliness was greater and greater. Once he stepped into Kedush Kedushim, why would he want to come out? He has attained and achieved to the highest of levels. Why leave it? Why want to think of leaving it? No. <laughs> he's now in a predicament where he's chelas ava. He's lovesick. And therefore we have a special suspicion for him that he wouldn't be able to hold himself back. It might not work. If it might not work, he needs to be warned. He needs to be frightened. Even though HaKadosh Baruch said, don't do it. Therefore he was told, Let's put back into perspective in their case. Marshal Mechela. Why does he have to say it was a sick person, Dafka? It could have been by a healthy person as well. To warn him about something that's going to damage. And the Marshal of the two doctors. Why did the first doctor not frighten him? And stress. In this case, Bi'el 
is counted by Aaron as if the Bechinus of Chela. He is in a, a sick state, a sick, lovesick for God. And therefore the first doctor did not scare him. It's not enough. It has to be forced to come to the second doctor, for the second doctor to tell him how dangerous it was, and to put the fear of God into him. If he would have said only one doctor, then we would see from this that it's only to strengthen the whole story. Now that we have two doctors, it shows that one small slight warning was not enough, would not be sufficient. So the first doctor would not be enough and therefore we needed to come to the second one. From this we have a very big Kiddush. What's buzzing? We don't find explicitly explained elsewhere. Aaron was compared compared to his sons, Nadav and Avil. And their yearning of the Kavasam of Hashem to come close to God, they had a Ava Aza, a tremendous thirst to come to the light of God. And therefore they could not hold themselves back. And they indeed entered into the Holy of Holies. A place which is not permissible for them. Aaron had that same love. As we said, he was lovesick. He needed to have the fear of God put in him. And told that your children had this yearning. Your children went on a mission of Ratzav and Eshev, which is not the way of the world. A person needs to go out, they need to return. And here the children were Ratzav and Eshev. And that's how they passed. This thereby gives us more cause for the Lashon of the Pasuk. They were children of Aaron. As they came before God and died. We don't give their names. They're referred to as B'nai Aaron. Because Nadav and Aviyah wanted so much to come to Fnei Hashem. Where did they get this from? Because they were the B'nai Aaron. They inherited this love and this thirst. Another step, says the Rebbe, which is more important than all. Why Elazar ben Azariah? Why are we quoting him out of all the people? We find by Elazar ben Azariah also a very similar story. where he got inheritance from his forefathers. He was a descendant from Ezra HaSefer. 
And when he was asked to become Nasi Bi Yisrael, we have this in the Haggadah, he says, Although he was 18 years old, the Gemara tells us he grew 18 white streaks in his beard. White streaks of hair in his beard, and this thereby made him look like he was 70. Hareani kiven shivim shana, he says. Where did he have this? He had this from Schus Ovis. The Schus Ovis of Ezra HaSefer, he was the 10th generation. If you're looking it up, the <coughs> mother is, if you keep your score at home, Brachis Chavzayin Amad Beis. So although he was young in actual years, he was able to undertake this mission. It wasn't a simple task becoming Nasi Yisrael. It wasn't a simple thing that he was doing here. How did he manage such a thing? How did he overcome all the obstacles that were in front of him? This all happened because of his chosovas. Because of where he came from. And therefore, although his wife was concerned, she says to him, look at you. You don't look like a Zak and you're asking me if you should become the Rasha, the Nasibi itself. You don't look like you're ready for that. She had a concern. Her concern was Teche Kibari. Are you inside like you're outside? Are you similar? Are you, do you do everything? What's on your lung is on your tongue. Do you do everything the way it has to be done right? So he said, knowledge-wise, I have what I need. I am ready to be the Nasi Yisrael. I, she says, but you look so young, it doesn't look like you're ready for it. So therefore he was given the white hairs, he was made the white bri- the beard. For what? To show the Teche Kibari that indeed his insides were like his outside. He was on the outside like he was on the inside. Turn a little focus now to the Mishnah Pikiyavis, Pedic Aleph, the Mishnah Yadbez, 12th Mishnah. As we've been so involved with Aaron and Arakayin, Hill and Shammai kiblu mehem. Hill and Shammai got the Teda. They received it. The tradition, the oral tradition, from them. Shmaya Vavtalian. Hill Leimer Hill says, "Have a metalmidav shall Aaron. You should be from the students of Aaron. Who was Aaron?" He was a lover of peace, a pursuer of peace. He loved the created beings and he brought them nearer to Teda. The word created beings 
a little awkward. Why Avis Habrios rather than Avis Hanoshim? Why does it not say people? So one of the explanations is simple. <laughs> Sometimes you want to refer to somebody and you want to say that they're problematic and they're not nice people or whatever you want to say. You say he's a malach, he's an angel. And if somebody doesn't understand what it means, they say a malach and ishke mensch. A malach's not a mensch. No. Malach's not a He obviously isn't. So here... The mission is telling us that Aaron Akein wasn't particular. He didn't only deal with a person that's a mensch. If you were created, you're God's creation, you deserve that I deal with you. Whatever writes in Tanya, Perik Lama Beis. As Kayin Godel, Aaron was even more involved in this. He would leave the Beis Hamikdash, where the Abish's presence was open, and this is all he wanted, as we said now. He had chelus ava for the Abishta and reach out to people who literally had no virtue. They, were, they had no virtue except for the fact they were created by God. Now the Mishnah uses an order here. This also has a significance. The first Aaron concerned himself with establishing a relationship of love and trust. He loved with peace, therefore there was love between him and people. And he chased after peace, therefore giving people the confidence in him. Therefore, when he spoke, people listened. They were ready to come to him. But the mission finishes off, He brings them closer to Teda, bringing them near to Teda. Although Aaron actually reached out to these individuals, and he tried to accommodate them to the fullest degree possible. What was his idea? To bring them near to the Teda. Not Chasashol and bring the Teda near to them. When he involved himself with another Jew, it did not involve any compromise of Teda. Teda is the way it is written, and this is a very, very important lesson to all of us. The expression, unfortunately, used in the world of Kiruv Rechokim. Rechokim implying that Chasashalom, a Jew, is far. If the Jew is far, you can't bring him close. You can be Makar of somebody that wants Kiruv, somebody that's looking to become close. When you refer to him as then he's distanced. He's not interested in hearing what you have to say. 
So the Kirov needs to happen with a person that sees you and looks at you and trusts you and knows that your sincerity is here with him and therefore is ready to talk to you and ready to accept what you have to sell to him, accept what you want to give him, accept the message that you're coming across. I'm not looking down at you. But rather, I am bringing you to me. I'm bringing you up to me. I'm also not going to take Tata down to you. I'm not going to compromise on my Tata. But rather, I will see to it that you come up to Tata itself. On the Yudaman days, Mara tells a story. Tamar. He mutsas, mutsais. She was taken out to be executed by her father-in-law Yehuda. He had left with her certain pledges. The word mutsais, taken out, is ambiguous. Could also be translated as the word she found. So the Gemara asserts, says. He mitutseis mi It should say mitutseis. She was taken out. By using the word mutseis, it can mean she found. May explains why is this ambiguous term used? Amr Abulazar Abulazar says, After they found these objects, the identifying objects that Yehuda had left with her, the angel Samuel came and distanced them from her, so that she wouldn't be able to send them to Yehuda. But Gabriel, the Malach Gabriel came along, and brought them back to her again. Then the mother goes on, Allusion to this incident in Tehillim. Heine Dechsivit says, Lam Natseach al Yenas Elim Rechikim le David Michtam. It's written by the conductor regarding the distant dove of silence by David a Michtam. Amra Biechel Biechel says, Mishoshin is Rachku Simoneha. The dove is referring to Tamar. From the time that identifying objects became distanced, Nasis Kiena Ilemes. She became like a silenced dove. She did not have the proof she needed to produce. The David Michtam, she had Mena David, Shahaya Mach Vesom Lakel. Michtam is Mach Vesom.
But who came from Tamar? David HaMelech. He was humble, perfect in all his ways. And he descended from Tamar. David HaMelech, another explanation, says the Gemara. Michtam shahisa makosei Tamar. His wounding was complete. Shenelad Kishumol. He was born, he already had a bris. Dabarach, another explanation. Mirtam b'shem shibikat nusay hiktinat smeitz l'mishigodl mimenalil meitena. From his youth, he would always lower himself. Someone that is greater than him in teda, he was humbled. Kach b'gdulosay so too in his greatness, he did the same. And again, therefore, we are going, we are coinciding what we just said now with Aranakayin. Aranakayin did not belittle himself to the people, but rather he saw to it that the person knew, I am Aranakayin, Akayin Godel. I love Teda, I love creations, I love peace, I love everything that has to be done right. And therefore, I love the creations that God created. And I don't want you to feel that I am haughty, that I am holding myself above you, higher than you. I am with you. And just like we see Elizabeth Azariah, descended from Ezra Sefer, had Miskosoves, so too the schus of the grandchild of David HaMelech, which is Melech HaMashiach, we should merit that he should be able to teach us tonight from his Teda Chadosha, and we should see to it that this Shabbos, Shabbos, Mevarchem Chedesh Iyar, we should be in Yerushalayim, Yerak Kedesh, Shabbat Shalom to all.